It's Monday, and that means Radioactive is passing the mic to a new wave of journalists from Salt Lake Community College in partnership with Amplify Utah. I'm Marcy Young-Cancio, Assistant Professor of Journalism and Digital Media at SLCC and founder of Amplify Utah, and I'm thrilled you're joining us. Tonight, right here on KRCL 90.9, host Lucas Lipkow will be taking a dive into diversity and unpacking some of Utah's lesser-spoken stories. We'll have some fun, too, with a breakdown of the week's pop culture nuggets that we're just so jazzed about. Lucas, take it away. Welcome to the Voices Amplify Takeover on Radioactive, a show that plugs you into the community. I'm Lucas Lithgow, your host and student journalist at Salt Lake Community College. Stick around. On tonight's show, we will chat with an SLCC graduate of excellence who overcame drug addiction and continues to serve as an inspiration to others. Later, we will discuss dead names and how members of the transgender community feel about theirs, as well as name change policies at SLCC. So first up, we're chatting with Amy Schaefer. She's an editor at the Salt Lake Community College newspaper, The Globe, and writer of the article, 2021 Graduate of Excellence Draws on Past to Build a Brighter Future, which was published in The Globe just a couple of weeks ago. Amy, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, thank you for having me. So your story was profiled on Rachel Santizo, who we have on the show today. I, I first wanted to bring you on and hear kind of why you, you wrote the story. So I met Rachel actually like at graduation rehearsal. We graduated together um, in August and I knew her for one day and I knew that she was, she was something to be um, not to be trifled with. I guess I should say she is a very strong, amazing person. And then I saw a video, as you mentioned, she's a graduate of excellence and she told her story and I was, I was blown away. Um, we're very close in age. So we kind of like had this like kindred moment there and we just kind of stuck together for a couple days and I learned a little bit more about her. Um, and I'll let her get to that story, but I just felt like it was a story that needed to be spotlighted. And I think Rachel is an amazing person and, um, just what she does, not just for the community, but what, how she impacted people here right at slick and, um, what she does with her work at the Odyssey house. Yeah, definitely. That's great. Um, let's bring Rachel on now. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for those kind words, Amy. I could say the same about you. So thank you. Amy's Amy's the sweetest. Oh, um, yes. <laughs> and as she just mentioned, so you've been awarded the Graduate of Excellence by Salt Lake Community College, um, and you currently work for the Odyssey House. I'm excited to hear about this, but I kind of wanted to rewind just a little bit. So during your interview for the story, you were noted as saying that you would have laughed in someone's face if you heard 10 years ago that you'd be awarded the Graduate of Excellence. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Oh, absolutely. Well, and to be fair, 10 years ago, there wouldn't have been too many faces that I could have laughed in because people wouldn't look at me. Um, I I was definitely invisible. I was actually living under cars, um, homeless on the streets of Salt Lake. So uh, many people wouldn't have even looked at me, but I didn't think that I actually, um, I celebrate, if I keep putting in the work, I'm actually almost 10 years sober. So 10 years is definitely a mark that I can say, um, but I was invisible and I didn't feel that I was worthy or deserving of anything. And at that point, I, I definitely, I wasn't in a space where I could be anything that I was truly meant to be or that I wanted to be at that time. So if you would have said that I could even get an education or I could add numbers or that I could even talk to somebody, even have a conversation, I would laugh at you right. if you had that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it wasn't even on your radar. Well, congratulations for 
the 10 year anniversary. That's so amazing. Thank you. Um, speaking of which, like, what was the point in that moment that you decided to seek treatment? Um, well, they say that you hit rock bottom, but the reality is, is that you can hit multiple rock bottoms. Um, you can, you can hit bottom several times and you can continue to go sideways. And so I had to do that, um, several times. I, I got to a point where I actually signed the rights over of my kids. My kids were my purpose in life. We all have a purpose. We find our element and, um, I signed the rights over to my kids and I thought that would be my rock bottom, but it wasn't, um, I continue using and they just got to a point where I just got exhausted that that's the best way that I could describe it. I, I was just literally exhausted and I couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to die, but I didn't have the courage to to actually commit suicide. Um, and so I decided that I needed treatment. And that's really how it came about for me as I was I was just literally exhausted and didn't have enough courage to kill myself. Exactly. And, and noted in the story, um, you, you going to school was a big turning point for you. So when you started at SLCC, what was your confidence level academic wise? I didn't have any. Um, I, I didn't have any at all. I, I wanted an education. So when I first got sober, I didn't want an education because I felt like um, if you had a degree, it was just something that you had to have to feel like you needed to be someone. So I was definitely defined against that. Um, and then I really wanted to be, I want to be this empowering female and I want to make a difference in the world. And I want to stand on my own two feet and do my own things. And, and as I regained my life back, education was a huge part of that, but I was really scared. I was scared of my age. I was scared of writing papers. I was scared of even being able to talk to anybody. <laughs> um, and so I didn't think that I could do it, but I knew if I want to continue to challenge myself and, and reach goals, school was absolutely next on the list for me. Right. I mean, that's exactly what you did. And as time went on, like, as the story suggested, your professors were blown away by your work. It was, it was actually really emotional just reading it. And I, that's the reason why you got the graduate of excellence. And how did you feel like after all that time? How did you feel when you just when you were honored the graduate of excellence? Um, I think it was an interesting time due to COVID um, and really what that meant to be a graduate of excellence. I don't think I really fully understood what it meant. And I it took me a while to really grasp the concept of the honor being um, being recognized for me as an honor. Um, <laughs> out of anybody's mouth, really. Um, but I didn't really understand the full, um, what it fully meant until graduation when we were practicing. And, and I I was holding the flag and I was like, what? I, I can still go back to that inner critic, right? Um, on the on why I use drugs or alcohol in the first place. And and I still sometimes can't believe, like, how am I the one that they chose to, to hold that flag? I still, I can get emotional. I'm still, um, I'm still in shock and awe of how it was me holding that flag. <laughs> I'm just uh, honored would be my word. I'm completely in awe and honored by all of it. Yeah, that's great. And we're all, we're all so, so proud of the work you've done. Um, Thank you. Just to shift gears just a little bit, because now you're doing even more amazing work at the Odyssey House as a project manager. Um, what are the different roles other than the project manager role have you done at the Odyssey House? Um, so I'm currently a program manager. 
Um, program manager. Which is okay. It sounds the same, right? It's almost the same. Um, so I actually started, what's the great thing is I actually went through Odyssey House myself. Um, so that's how I got sober. I actually went through the residential facility and I lived there for a year. And that's the beginning of my recovery story. So Odyssey House, I started out in marketing um, and I was able to create some programs that are very, that I'm very passionate about. The good thing about my story is I'm relatable um, and I can really connect with people. I'm able to speak the language um, and I'm really good at it too. I know, I know this story. So um, I, I was able to go. So part of my job in marketing is I would go into the volunteers of America. I love, I'm very passionate about incarcerated. So going into the jails and going into the prison system um, and going into the hospitals and being able to speak to people that were just like me and that I'm one decision away from being just like them. And then um, getting my education and transferring over to being a program manager and managing a residential program. And as you just as you just mentioned, and I kind of wanted to touch more based on that, why do you think it's important for people like you with the past you've had to be in these role model positions at places like the Odyssey House? Uh, it's definitely because I, I have this understanding um, and I, I, I don't have to put myself in their shoes. I've been in their shoes. Right. And so I can speak a language that no one else that a, a book cannot teach you. I've been through it and I, exactly. I can, I can, I'm very, the thing about me is my passion comes from my, from my own work and the fight that I've had to be through. And I, I'm able to do that in such a way that it's also when, when I speak, you can feel it. Right. And that the trust, we don't have a lot of trust, whether, no matter what your journey looks like, it's, it's just gaining that trust and gaining that that perspective. And when I speak, you can feel it and you know, I've been through it. And so opening those doors is, is the number one key. And it's learning the opposite of addiction um, is definitely community. And when you can find somebody that you can just trust in just a little bit that you, that you're able to look at and connect with and be relatable to, that makes all the difference. And one, one conversation can change everything for you can be that game changer. And so if I'm able to have a conversation with someone Oh man, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, I bet. No, and I, I'm sure it does make all the difference in the world. So up next, we have Randall Carlyle on, who you work with at the Odyssey House, um, and he's going to be coming on in just a moment. But how did you meet Randall? Oh man, I'm going to get down and dirty, Randall. Because uh, <laughs> Randall, this is the best part is actually, so what we get to do in recovery as well as make amends. <laughs> so I didn't like Randall when I first met him. True story. We fell in gotcha. love at Pioneer Park. And so Pioneer Park, as, as we all know, is a space for individuals that struggle, you know, with homelessness or substance um, misuse and, and different things like that. It's also a magical space, but that's where Randall and I fell in love and I didn't like him. It's a hub almost. <laughs> it is. It is. And uh, I didn't like him. So that, and that's, that's absolutely true. So we're, we're really big into um, homeless work, both of us and, and the people. And, and um, we were there for the candlelight vigil one year. Um, and I've been on that committee for a long time. And they told me that this news anchor Randall was going to be the speaker. And I, I, uh, I was like, why are we having a news anchor speaking, speaking about these issues? These are important issues. And I don't want someone that's just going to come from channel four and talk about it. Like I was really upset because this is something that's very dear to me. And if you've been homeless, uh, 
you know, like it, it's just something it really bothered me. Needless to say, this man got up and spoke and Randall is, I haven't let him go since we fell in love that night and he's been near and dear to my heart since. And we have been so close. We've been on so many committees and done so much work. Now we work at Odyssey together. We've worked together for years and um, wow. Am I so glad that I can be, I can be so ignorant and I can, I can make amends and turn things around. And uh, yeah, that's a true story. I didn't like the Carlisle. Well, going back to the candlelight, um, what is that for the listeners? Ooh, so it's where we, once the longest day of the year at Pioneer Park in December, Pamela Atkinson would get to celebrate all those who are homeless that have lost their lives that year due to homelessness. Gotcha. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing to hear that. Yeah, it's, it's around through uh, Four Street Clinic. It's a committee there I'm on. So. Well, I want to hear more from Randall. Um, so Randall Carlisle, he's a veteran Utah news broadcaster. He's been in the industry for 60 years. I'm sure if you live in Utah, you've probably heard his voice. Um, but now he's working for the Odyssey House. Randall, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, thank you for having me. It's 40 years, not 60 years. That would make me about 100 right now. I guess the Google search just favored you a little extra that day. Yeah, well, can I, 60 sounds better than 40, I guess. Yeah, thanks um, for the correction. And, and I was... Uh, the reason I was speaking at this uh, at this uh, homeless uh, memorial was because I uh, chaired an AA meeting. I'm a recovering alcoholic, uh, and I've got the same amount of recovery time as Rachel, 10 years. Um, and, and I uh, chaired some AA meetings down on the block, and I was talking about one of the people who regularly came to the meetings who had passed away that year. And I was telling his story, a gentleman named Larry. So it had nothing to do with the fact that I was a TV anchorman, Rachel. It had, it had everything to do with the fact that I, I was dealing with the homeless as well. And I've got to tell you that Rachel, uh, well, she was, she was angry and nasty the first time I met her at Pioneer Park. But as we've worked together at Odyssey, I've got to say that this woman who you've just been listening to, who is very strong uh, and very influential in the community, was pretty meek and mild when I first started working with her at Odyssey House. And when she said she was going to go to Salt Lake Community College, she was scared and she was not confident in the least. And I've watched her blossom from like a cocoon into a beautiful butterfly Thanks to her, uh, thanks to the years that she spent at Slick, uh, she was just. Uh, it gave her. It gave her confidence. Uh, she learned how to speak. Uh, when when we first met, she was on a. She was on a. Uh, it was a, a conference to talk about addiction. It was a Four Street Clinic film. Uh, film, uh, I don't know what you call it, film festival, and I was the moderator, and she was on the panel. And, and when I first met Rachel, it was like, I, I'm, I'm going to talk like this. And, 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 I'm, I and I said, Rachel, just talk, you know, talk, you know, speak out. And now you've seen her, you've seen her talking and obviously she has blossomed. So right. Slick meant a lot to her and so did recovery. And she's just become this wonderful, wonderful woman. And she said, we have a love affair. It's very, it's sort of a love affair professionally, just to clear things up. Right. And even talking to her right now, I, I would have never guessed that she was at all 
not confident in herself before. So that's that's amazing to hear. Um, going back to the Odyssey House, though, could you just give a summary of the for the listeners what kind of work you do for the Odyssey House right now? Well, I'm in charge of media and community uh, government relations. Uh, so I, 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 I handle a lot of the news stories when people want to do stories about addiction or recovery. Uh, I do a, a weekly podcast there that Rachel is co-host with me uh, that's called Odyssey House Journals. Um, I, I facilitate a family support group meeting once a week, and I go to community council meetings in areas where uh, where we have residential structures where some of our clients are living. And I, I hand out my card and I say, if you have any com- complaints about anything we're doing in your neighborhood, give me a call. And I've, and I've been doing that for uh, going on five years. And I hand out my personal cell phone number and I've only had two phone calls in those five years um, complaints from our residential facilities. So, uh, and so I just generally, and I try to generate positive news stories. Uh, and Rachel uh, is, has been very instrumental in that as well. Plus I, I go, Rachel lined up, uh, uh, Rachel did a lot of uh, novel things that we had not done, like taking some of our clients to BOA detox centers uh, to, wow. tell, to tell other people who are just detoxing at, the, at, at a certain point, what services we offer. And I've gone with Rachel on a lot of those visits as well. And to the, uh, to the, re- the homeless resource centers. Uh, so we've gotten, we've done a lot together and we're just, it's, it's basically reaching out not to sell Odyssey House, but to let people who were in Rachel's shoes when she was living under cars down on the block to let them know that there is hope, that recovery is possible. Uh, Odyssey House is one way of doing it. There are a million other ways of doing it, but just to let them know that people do recover from the disease of addiction. Right, right. And as you mentioned, you are you're doing the Odyssey House Journal's podcast. What about Rachel? Just what about Rachel made you want to bring her onto the show with you to do that? Um, we worked together and I, I would not have wanted to do that four or five years ago when she didn't have a voice. Uh, I've seen her again because that would have been, can you imagine doing a podcast and you say something and she goes, well, I, I think I might, I uh, think, you know, so, uh, but, but I, I watched her change and she, uh, she speaks so well and we're interviewing people on all aspects of addiction and recovery and there's nobody better to be uh, a co-host uh, than Rachel. I mean, I could have, I could have reached out to maybe somebody in TV or radio or something like that. Uh, but, but not, not many people have the great understanding of going from where she was to where she is and being able to, uh, you know, describe it in a really intelligent fashion that lets people know what what addiction and recovery are. Right, right. And and she spoke on this earlier, but do you think there is a level of import, importance to having employees and volunteers at the Odyssey House who have similar backgrounds as the folks coming in needing help? Absolutely. I mean, it's like Rachel's first impression of me was, well, here's this TV anchorman. What the hell does he know about anything? Why is he speaking to this group of people? And, and, and I find that when I deal with our clients at Odyssey House, 
when I tell them that I was a functional alcoholic for a long, long time and that I'm in recovery, all of a sudden it sort of opens up a door because it's not, it's not like somebody who has, say, studied the disease of addiction but doesn't know anything about it. It's like, oh, you've been there. You know what it's about. You know what it, you know, uh, and that's that's why that's why our whole our whole Odyssey philosophy centers around a lot of our employees being in long-term recovery because they can they can relate so well to somebody who is just in the beginning stages of recovery. Oh yeah, I know what it was like. The other thing is, you know, people in addiction are some of the best liars in the world because they've told stories for so long, and people who are in recovery, long-term recovery, working at a place like Odyssey can spot a client who is instantly lying, who is not sincere about wanting to uh, wanting to recover, wanting to participate in the program. And I see people like Rachel and all the other talented staff that we have at Odyssey calling people out all the time because that's what somebody in addiction working on recovery needs to hear. No, no, no. I know you're telling me a lie. How do you really feel? And I and people like Rachel do that so well. Exactly. That's so important. I've never even thought about it like that before. Um, but anyway, so thank you so much for coming on today, guys. Um, it was a pleasure to chat with you and hear about all the amazing work that you're doing for the community. Um, but before you go, Rachel, is there a particular song that you're listening to and want to share? I, I just have to. My favorite song my whole entire life is... Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson, though. That song motivates me. And uh, if you pick, if I have to ever pick a song, I will always do that song. Always. That's a good one. Yeah. And Randall has also provided a song, and we'll, and we'll add it to the Amplify Utah song playlist, which you can find in today's show notes on krcl.org. And for those looking to learn more about the nonprofit Odyssey House, visit odysseyhouse.org. And don't miss Odyssey House Journals with Randall Carlisle and Rachel Santizo. New episodes every Friday. Catch it wherever you listen to your podcasts. When we come back, we'll chat with faculty at Salt Lake Community College about dead names and the current state of name change procedures at the school, right here with Voices Amplified and Radioactive, a collaboration with Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL 90.9. Now that you've cleaned your house for the 75th time, do you have a stack of vinyl or a giant bin of CDs that you just don't know what to do with? How about donating them to KRCL for our annual record and CD sales? We're not sure what they'll look like this year, but they will happen. Whether you've digitized your library or just need a great place to donate your record collection, KRCL would love to be that place. Your old records and CDs could help fuel the next generation of music lovers. Reach out to KRCL's volunteer manager for drop-off information at ericn at krcl.org. Thanks. If you've made a recent gift to KRCL, you might be able to double your donation with one simple email to HR. Businesses like REI, Dominion Energy, and Home Depot offer matching programs. See if your employer will match your gift at krcl.org. Welcome back to the Voices Amplified Takeover on Radioactive. I'm Lucas Lithgow, your host and a student journalist at Salt Lake Community College. In partnership with KRCL 90.9 and Amplify Utah, we're hosting the show tonight to share diverse stories from the community. For this next segment, we've invited Diana Wilson. She's an adjunct professor at Salt Lake Community College who's transitioned and was featured on the story titled, Utahns Talk About Their Dead Names and What They Think When They Hear Them Now, written by Leilani Miller, which was published in the Salt Lake Tribune through Amplify Utah. Diana, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. So regarding the story I just mentioned, 
why, why do you feel it was important to share your experiences about dead names? Well, it's uh, something that a lot of people just want to know about with transgender people being in the news, and it helps people understand how to be polite and kind to others. Uh, when someone doesn't want to go by a dead name, it's a little bit more complicated than just a nickname. Well, in a lot of ways, it's as simple as calling someone named Robert Bob. You're just changing how you refer to somebody. Uh, it's emotionally a lot more important and, and a very big deal. Uh, and it's, it's so powerful for that reason. And in this story, you explain that hearing your dead name at first wasn't so hard, but as time went on, it became more difficult to hear your dead name. Why is that? Well, names have a lot of meaning, right? So you get used to a name, you have a, a comfort with it, you attach to it, and that's just you when someone says the name. Uh, in, in my case, and in the case of a lot of other transgender people, uh, as you transition, you've adopted a new name, you are, in my case, living as a woman, uh, you're moving on to a new stage in your life, your life is getting better. It's uh, happier. Uh, you're a lot less depressed, you're a lot less frustrated, and it, it's a wonderful thing to be able to transition and see life just improve and improve. And when you hear the dead name, it puts you back in the mental space of months or years or however long it was that you're using that name, including the you know, depression and sadness and other difficulties. So for my case, it was a situation where when I stopped being used to hearing, hearing that name, because everyone was simply referring to me as Diana, and I would occasionally would hear that name for a whole variety of reasons it pops up in life, it would be sort of just sort of a shock is remember, oh no, is it back in that time of the, the bad memories you know, kind of time? Or is it, you know, it takes you out of that happiness that you, you've learned and you've built and you've achieved with transition. So what I'm hearing is as, as time goes on and you've been so far removed from it, it just, it becomes harder to hear, hear it. The meaning of that change, the name changes. It no longer just means me. It means back in the old bad times. Exactly. Um, and just circling back, so you're a professor at Salt Lake Community College. What do you do? What's your role? I teach United States history and introduction to humanities. These are usually first year uh, classes for a lot of our students. Gotcha. Um, and as a professor, have you run into any problems regarding your dead name on official records or, or sites such as Canvas? Uh, problems? It has been difficult to get my name changed and my name changed for a lot of official purposes. Um, payroll, my email address, uh, some other aspects of the Solid Community College system uh, could not be changed until I got my name legally changed with the state of Utah. Uh, for Canvas, it's a lot easier, actually. Canvas, I was able to change my name in that simply using the nickname function, by the way, uh, that exists for, for many other purposes other than names for transgender people. So um, problems weren't too difficult for me. It wasn't something I was very much worried about. Uh, but there, there were a few years of, of having to deal with uh, the name on, on a lot of documents. So as an educator, do you think there's anything that needs to change in that environment for transgender folks to feel more comfortable with or without their dead name? Well, I see it as well, I transitioned relatively late in life. I was 37 when I began transitioning. I'm in my 40s now. So I felt like I was in a position to like, well, this is an irritating difficulty and kind of deal with it. For, for younger people, for students at Solid Community College, I, I think this is a much bigger deal because uh, having to deal with emotional frustration on top of managing classes and probably holding on a job and 10 other different things uh, means that having to run into and use your dead name on a regular basis is a reason why some might just choose to put off their college or not even go to Salt Lake Community College. Not everybody, but it, it is a significant factor. So I think getting uh, students easy, making it easier for students to use the name. Students often also don't have the resources 
to get a legal name change costs a lot of money. Uh, that can be a pretty big significant difficulty. And one hidden issue is also transcripts. If you graduate from Salt Lake Community College, when you're still legally uh, the old name, the dead name, then um, that can be very, that's something you have to discuss with people in the future when you're bringing them a transcript that doesn't have the name that's on your driver's license, you know, a few years in the future. So that, that's, that issue of transcripts to me is probably one of the stickiest ones for transgender people in college, mostly for students. Going back to Canvas for students trying to change their nickname, as you mentioned, when was that made an option or when was it made an option to change your pronouns for that? Uh, I actually wasn't aware that Canvas had an option to change pronouns or to, to alter them. Well, it's nice to hear, but unfortunately, I don't know about it. Gotcha. Uh, in terms of name change, there is actually a guy at Salt Lake Community College has uh, an LGBT plus page. If you Google slcc.edu and then some combination of LGBT plus, you'll find a page that has a, a variety of information. And within the menus on that page is instructions for how to change your name on Canvas. Uh, I've guided a few students there. Um, some who are transgender and some who just like their nickname. That's great. So joining us now is Peter Moseman. He's the coordinator for the Gender and Sexuality Student Resource Center at Salt Lake Community College. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So if you kind of just wanted to start off by giving the listeners in a, a general idea of what your day-to-day -day job looks like. Yeah, absolutely. So I, like was mentioned, I run the Salt Lake Community College Gender and Sexuality Student Resource Center. Um, this center is a space for uh, women and LGBT students to engage with us, um, to uh, come in and have a safe space on campus. We've got a lounge area. We've got a space for doing homework. We also have um, a gender and sexuality library. Um, other resources like condoms, menstrual products. Uh, we connect students with uh, mental health counseling on campus uh, with organizations like Planned Parenthood, the Utah AIDS Foundation, and um, Circle or Utah Pride Center. We, our goal is to um, work with students to remove those barriers that they face as a student so that they can thrive at Sully Community College and graduate and go on and live their best lives, you know? Um, one of one of the resources that we provide, like we were just talking about, is um, legal name and gender marker changes. So um, I work with students often on um, going through that process, looking through the, the legal documents and, and figuring out what is needed to help folks, um, again, have a, a streamlined, stress-free process, so. Yeah, exactly. And as someone who's worked with transgender students in the past regarding their pronouns or names, have you been approached by a student who's felt disrespected by the way their dead name has been treated? Absolutely. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, we, I think one of the, the largest populations of students that come into the Gender and Sexuality Student Resource Center are our transgender students. Um, and we've had a handful of students that, that definitely feel disrespected by their instructors, um, by the institution, by kind of the, the way that we go about doing things and handling names and pronouns. Um, I 
hate to say that we've even had a student or two drop out of Salt Lake Community College because of that treatment um, in the classroom, that um, being dead named and using the wrong pronouns uh, created so much dysphoria in the classroom that um, students figured it would be easier to drop out of classes than to face that on a regular basis. So um, it is something that uh, we have faced. Um, Usually in those situations, I have been able to to kind of work with those students um, to figure out a, a healthier plan, um, even if that is working with the instructor and their dean um, to get those situations addressed if they're they're unable to do so by themselves as a student. Right, right. And do you think there needs to be changes or what changes do you think need to be made so that doesn't happen in the future? Um, we are often looking at new ways to provide education, information, and resources to our faculty and our staff and our, and our administration at Salt Lake Community College so that they're better equipped to, um, so that they have the tools to um, honor and respect our students where they are, right? Um, I think that a lot of times when folks are dead naming or misgendering people, they're doing it out of ignorance and um, not necessarily out of, out of a place of malice. And granted, that still is harmful to our trans students, right? And so how do we educate our instructors so that they make the least amount of errors possible um, and move forward in, a, in creating more equitable and inclusive spaces? Exactly. Because as you mentioned, when we were having a conversation before this show is, there's times when you can change your nickname on Canvas, but it won't be streamlined to the educator's role list. So yeah, I think that would be great yeah. to make that more of a streamlined system. Yeah, we're, we're trying to create um, processes at the institution on the back end, um, working with the platforms that Salt Lake Community College uses to, like you said, streamline so that if someone does change their quote unquote display name or their preferred name or their chosen name, um, that that's what folks see, um, whether someone yeah. is being helped at getting a new student ID or help with Canvas, that their their display name, that chosen name is all that they're seeing to re remove the risk of being dead named, right? And so we're working on that. Um, there are a lot of platforms that play, a lot of policies and regulations that we've got to um, navigate and wade through, but we're working on that. So obviously transitioning is a unique situation for everyone. And in the article, many different people are quoted as holding varying relationships with their dead names. Working with transgender students, do you feel that to be the case? Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Diane said, um, especially in that transition period, it can you can respond differently to it, right? Whether that's two months into your transition or two years in or beyond. Um, I had a I had a really unique educational experience with one of my students where um, they approached their dead name uh, from a place of love, right? That um, they referred to their dead name as a part of who they were that got them to where they are now, right? That they're grateful for this person of the, their past for 
having the resilience, having the dedication, having that um, commitment to allow them to exist as they are today, right? And so they have they look back at that past person with fondness. Um, where I've also had students that um, are very um, that have a lot of trauma with their dead name, right? And so there there is a pretty broad spectrum and um, a lot of nuance with dead names um, in transition. Yeah, it's it's just such a it's such a case to case basis. So we're so happy that there's resources like the GSSR at Salt Lake Community College for folks to go to and get that help. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to address or talk about as far as the coordinator? Um, I, I think one of the, the biggest challenges that we have is helping students find us, right? Um, there are so many students that can benefit from the resources that we have um, in our center that people are just unaware of. So I hope that doing things like this can engage students in a way that will inform them that they can utilize the resources of the gender and sexuality student resource center uh, they can come in and hang out that they can build community that they can get the resources that they, that they need to to not only survive as a student at salt lake community college but thrive as a student that's amazing well, Diana, Peter, we appreciate your time so much. Thank you for coming on the show today. Yeah, thank you. Before we let you go, Peter, is there a song that you're currently jamming to and want to share? Um, yeah, this is not, it's not a new song, but I have been listening to it on repeat. Um, it's called True Trans Soul Rebel by Against Me. The The lead singer of Against Me transitioned um, a, a little while back and they, they put out an album called um, Transgender Dysphoria Blues and True Trans Soul Rebel is just this amazing song it's got such a, a good vibe to it and um yeah definitely go out and listen to it it's a good one amazing and diana has also provided a song we'll add it to the voices amplified song playlist which you can find in today's show notes on krcl.org to end on that if you want to keep up with the latest events and happenings from the gender and sexuality resource center visit their instagram page at slcc gssrc and for a list of supportful resources for transgender folks in Utah, visit today's show notes on krcl.org. And that was True Trans Soul Rebel by Against Me. Our guest Peter Mosman chose that. I'm Lucas Lithgow. And before we wrap the show this week, let's take a look at what's happening in the world of pop culture. To help me, I'm going to pull in Amy Schaefer from the Voices Amplified crew and Marcy Youngkincio, Executive Director at Amplify Utah and Assistant Professor at Salt Lake Community College. So I guess I'll start with myself. For the listeners who has who have been watching Euphoria recently, the latest episode featured Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler, which for myself, I've never heard about it and I've been jamming to it all week long. So Lucas, I understand that you're obsessed with Euphoria. I know it's all over the place. It's got Zendaya, uh, but that is about my understanding of it. Lots of drugs and chaos. Yeah. What's the deal with Euphoria? I mean, I guess to sum it up, it is an absolute masterpiece of cinematography and acting and also 30-year-olds acting like high schoolers. And it's just an overall really enjoyable show. But I guess I guess I will say it's not for the light of heart. If, if you're going through it, I would not recommend watching Euphoria because you will leave watching it feeling worse about yourself. So Lucas, this sounds like it's quite the rave review then. Oh, it is an absolute rave review. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, Amy, what are you, what are you excited about this week? I love that. I 
am in love with some trashy binging myself. So (laughs) right now I just finished the binge of a podcast and it's a Dateline podcast called The Thing About Pam. And it's going to actually be a series on Peacock starring Renee Zellweger. So it's like two awesome binges for the price of one. So it's all about murder and mystery and and chaos. So, you know, so yeah. So, so check it out. It's uh, the thing about Pam, wherever you find your podcasts. I feel like Peacock is picking up a lot of cheesy remakes recently. So if you guys are into that, check out Peacock. Uh, Renee Zellweger. It's going to be awesome. My bad. <laughs> and Marcy, what's been on your mind this week? Well, I will go with a little bit of chaos as well, but um, Hulu is releasing The Dropout, which is the um, Elizabeth Holmes story, uh, the founder of Theranos, who is now embroiled with lots of legal lawsuits and invest- federal investigations. But Amanda Seyfried is playing Elizabeth Holmes. This is the woman who said that they could test your blood and identify every possible ailment with nothing more than a drop of blood worth billions of dollars, the youngest billionaire ever, and it was all a sham. So a great book about it called Bad Blood was written by the Wall Street Journal's John Carryout. There's been documentaries. And now we have Hollywood coming to it with um, an eight-part series on Hulu that drops, I believe, March 3rd. So it's going to be great. Sounds very creepy, but thank you. And we will drop all of those in today's show notes. And that's a wrap for this week's show. Thank you again to all of today's guests. A special thank you to KRCL Radioactive Executive Producer, Laura Jones, for passing us the mic each week. And thanks to our advisor, SLCC Assistant Professor and Amplify Utah founder, Marcian Concio. If you want to learn more about today's guests, their stories and organizations, head on over to krcl.org to check out tonight's show notes and get plugged into your community. You can also keep up with Amplify Utah by signing up for the monthly newsletter at AmplifyUtah.org. And for a special treat, be sure to check out the Amplify Utah Takeover of KRCL playlist filled with songs chosen by our guests and the Voices Amplified team. Don't forget to tune in every Monday night at 6 as we take a deeper dive into diversity. Special guests, stories that matter, things you care about. Voices Amplified, a collaboration between Salt Lake Community College, Amplify Utah, and KRCL 90.9. For those of you that watched the last episode of Euphoria, Holding Out for a Hero by Bonnie Tyler has been the hit of the week for me. For the listeners, it may be cheesy, but as a 20-year-old human being, I am obsessed with it. Voices Amplified. We'll see you next Monday. Meet Stephen Rivetti, host of World Village, Saturday nights at 7 on KRCL. It all started, I want to say, when I was probably eight years old. I used to go to bed at night listening to the radio, and that's how I first discovered uh, Night Roots with Papa Pilgrim way back in the day in reggae music. So I used to go to bed listening to reggae music, and, and that was one of my just falling in love with the radio at that time. Hearing it just, it, it took me away to a different place at such a young age. My, it just inspired my imagination. When, when my father passed away, probably about 12 years ago, one of the things he said to me was, Stephen, live your dreams. Said, you, you need to like chase after your dreams and do that. And so I said, well, one of the things that I've always wanted to do was share my passion and love of music with audience members. And so that was one of my first steps picking up the phone and becoming just a volunteer is like I, I really respected what KRCL and I really respect what KRCL is all about. 
And so it just motivated me to come down there and just answer phones and volunteer my time for KRCL. Stephen Rivetti, host of World Village, every Saturday night at 7, only on KRCL 90.9.